This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins defeated the Detroit Red Wings 4-1 to at TD Garden and now 7-0-1 on the season. Opening shift. Scott, let's start with you. David Pasternak's doing it again. Uh, eight goals in eight games, 13 points. Uh, he's tied for second in the NHL in goals, tied for third in points. He's so far ahead of – he has more goals through eight games this year than he did last year when he obviously ended up with 61. And, you know, I think people wondered would there be some sort of step back with him with David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron both gone. You know, the two centers he's obviously played the overwhelming majority of his career with. Well, no step back so far, and he's doing it with, I would say, you know, playing on a line that with Marshan Zaka that is still finding its chemistry. I think Zaka still – settling into his role as number one center. Uh, he isn't really lighting it up on the power play. He only has one power play goal so far. He does have three power play assists. But, yeah, I mean, two goals and an assist against Detroit. Another one on a penalty shot where, you know, he gets a breakaway four and four, ends up with the penalty shot, seals it with the empty netter on a bank shot off the boards at center ice. Just keeps finding different ways to score no matter who he's with, no matter the situation. And, you know, I think eventually he's going to start. That line's going to score more. He'll score more in the power play. So, um, yeah, no no drop-off for anyone who was worried about that. My opening shift? Okay. Yes. <laughs> just waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm sorry. Um, so my opening shift has to do with the fact that uh, – Next game tomorrow, um, Monday night, is technically Matt Patra's ninth game, uh, which would mean the last game of his tryout period. Um, so obviously we're going to keep an eye on him, though. I think the decision is already made. Um, we've said it many times on here before. Patra right now is the Bruins' third leading scorer behind Marshawn and Pasternak. Um, they don't have any other option besides to keep him. He's made it impossible for them to send him down, and they just do not have another person that can play in that position. I I think that their lineup right now has been clicking. Obviously, they're they don't even have regulation loss yet, so don't don't fix what isn't broken and send him anywhere. He is not going to learn as much as he's going to learn from being in the NHL. He's clearly NHL ready. Um, technically, the last game that of the nine day trial period. Um, but I think he's already sealed the spot. So. I think we all agree on that one. And, and there's definitely more to discuss regarding Patra as we go forward in this episode. For me, I'm going to piggyback off of Scott's opening shift a little bit. And David Pashnak has been amazing, obviously. And they are going to need him to be their best offensive player and, and, and produce that. So 
that that in mind, I simply wonder if if the Bruins' offense uh, is is relying too heavily on David Pasternak. Not that he shouldn't be their leading scorer and one of the top scorers in the league, but I want to say, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I saw it last night floating around somewhere, and I thought it may have been Scott, so but maybe not. Um, I think Pasternak's he's he's involved in around around 50% of the Bruins' total offense. It, it's it's exactly 50%. He has 13 points. They have 26 goals as a team. There you go. So I guess my my simple question is, and maybe this is where we start, but is that is is that a, is is it is it is it too small of a sample size, or is this probably going to continue where there this is kind of how he's going to figure in? If that's the case, is that too much uh, reliance on 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 one player offensively? Say he gets hurt. It it is if it continues like this, like he can't. You can't reasonably expect someone to be responsible for literally half your offense. You know, I was looking back last year, Pasternak was involved in 37.5% of their goals. Uh, even Connor McDavid and Edmonton with the historic season he had was under 50% of Oilers goals that he was involved in. So that's not sustainable, but I think for now, I feel like this is kind of what was expected. It's like, this team's going to take a little bit to figure figure things out offensively. All all new lines finding chemistry, uh, new players being brought in, learning the system. Whether it's free agents, whether it's a rookie like Patra or Beecher, injuries on the fourth line has you know affected their depth. Not that you're counting on the fourth line for a lot of goals, but um, you know work to be done there. Defensemen haven't really been contributing goal-wise very much. You know, I guess just very recently, like McAvoy scored his first goal on Saturday. Grizzly had his first goal the game before. But, yeah, they're still waiting for all that to fall into place. And it's like, in the meantime, until that happens, Pasternak needed to be the one consistent, reliable scoring threat, and he has been. So I think, you know, ideally, other guys start picking up their their end of the bargain and get going a little bit more and then you don't have to rely on Pasenak as much as they are and I think that will happen but yes I, if it continues the way it has been I think that's not a season-long sustainable recipe and I have an idea for other teams um how about don't give Pasenak a penalty shot because um, you're just giving him a free goal at this point with the way he's been able to score on those. So um, you had another beautiful one uh, again on Saturday. So uh, you see that, and that's a move he's done before. Um, and then he also had the one earlier in the season where he kind of hit it behind his leg and then ripped it. And just, just don't just, I know you you kind of need to hook him and slash him as he's crashing the net on a breakaway, but he's going to score on the penalty shot anyway. So. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, you mentioned the, the the one he had against Nashville. This one against Detroit, equally as filthy. It's 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 textbook. It couldn't it couldn't be prettier. It, you, you even hear the the sound of it hitting the back the back bar top shelf. It's like, my God, the the, the kid knows how to finish for sure. And and you know you watch it in in slow motion when like you watch the replay. You watch him come down and just. It's all premeditated, and it's it, 
it honestly makes it it's harder when it's premeditated. I feel like when you when you go down on a breakaway, sometimes you see what the goalie's giving you. But but Pasternak, like, and I'm sure there's part of that, but he goes down and like he knows he's gonna like pump fake before he it's all premeditated and to to execute it, it's just it's just really impressive. He makes it look easy, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked to the goalies, like the Bruins goalies as well, and he, they after games where he does that, and they're like, "Yeah, he beats us every time on that shot. Like he every time he practices that shot, he beats us, <laughs> and they know it's coming." Which which isn't actually true because I see them practice penalty shots of practice, and he he doesn't score every single time, believe it or not. Yeah, well, but, but also he doesn't try as hard in practice. So. Um, I think he's trying to score, but. It, yeah, but certainly the two he's pulled off in games so far have been like literally unstoppable. Like no no goalie's doing anything about either one of those. So if he's executing like that, yeah, it's um n- no one's doing anything. Like and by the way, set a record. This is now the fastest any player in history has scored two penalty shot goals in a season. Uh yeah, by maybe 12 just don't, maybe just don't give them them. Yeah, <laughs> but by 12 games, the previous record was 20 games. By it was Brian Ralston when he was in Minnesota. Um, so yeah, just you know, and I think like if you look at it, it's like okay, well, two of his goals are penalty shot goals, two of his goals are empty netters. You could say, like, oh, that's not really a sustainable way to score. I would just push back and say, like, he's gonna start scoring more other ways because so far he's actually getting more, according to natural stat trick, he's getting more scoring chances per 60 minutes at five on five this season than last season. The big difference is he's playing two minutes fewer per game because every Bruins game seems to turn into a special teams fest and there aren't as many five on five minutes to go around. So that'll level off at some point. He'll get more five on five minutes and score more five on five goals. And on the power play, you know, one goal on, I think it's 11 shots he's taken on the power play. Like that's going to go up. Both the shots and the goals will go up. He'll get more chances as they continue to figure out the power play, which I think has started to look better. And right now he's sort of settled into more of a setup role. Like he's the one, you know, on the power play goal Saturday night, he's the one making the scene pass across to Martian. Martian has a shot, produces a rebound for Zaka to bury. It's like at some point, teams will start to realize they have to take away other stuff if the Bruins are executing and then Pasternak gets freed up again. So I think those goals in, in the usual ways that he scores are going to go up even, you know, as like the, like, yeah, like I'm not expecting him to score 20 penalty shot goals this season. So. But um, like, I, I don't see any reason why, like, I mean, he could get plenty more empty net goals. If the Bruins keep winning and they they keep being up by one or two goals at the end of the game, forcing the other team to take their goalie out, you're just going to keep putting Pasternak out there for that. Unless you're um, a certain radio host that thinks it's a it's a bad idea to put your best goal scorer on the ice when uh, yeah, well, don't net. don't you know that they only do it to pad his stats, not yeah, just to try to, to win hockey stats. games because That's it's actually. Way- it's actually bad to score empty net goals. That's not what you want to do when the net cowards goes. cowards. <laughs> So a player that hasn't shared a lot of ice time with Pasternak this year on the power play or five on five is Jake DeBrusque. And he's a player that has been struggling offensively. And, you know, if he's to pick up his offensive game, there's some production without Pasternak on the ice that he's included uh, in the scoring production. And, you know, he, I I think, I think DeBrusque's 
two points in seven games is uh, it's a small reason why there's been a lack of production outside of Pashnak um, and company. Like he's played seven games, two points. I, I want to double check. I think both are assists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah two, both are assists. yeah. two assists in seven games. Obviously the one game he missed was not due to injury. It was because of him being late to a team meeting. So that's his own fault. And, you know, you look at Milan Lucic, he's played four games because he got hurt back in California and, and he has the same amount of points as Jake DeBrusque in three less games. That's not good enough. So um, how, how do you feel? How do you feel DeBrusque has played? I mean, I mean, last night against Detroit, like I thought there were times he played well. But again, especially for him, he's a top six forward. Like I've said this in the past, but and a lot of times actually pertaining to him a few years ago, but. But effort is the bare minimum. That's a bare minimum expectation uh, when you're a professional athlete. So, like, I, I don't want to, like, you know, you know, throw a parade because I think he's played hard in a few shifts. Like, he's still got to produce. So, how do you guys feel DeBrusque has been so far this year? Yeah, I think you're you're right to, like, distinguish. Like, I think the effort's been there for him. And I think that line has looked good, him, Potter, and Geeky. I think, I think they're playing good hockey, and they have scored a couple goals. It's just... DeBrusque hasn't gotten a point, maybe in one of them, I think. Um, one, he made the key play to set up, but didn't get an assist. I think that was the Anaheim game where he started the the game in Anaheim, where he started the breakout with some good work in the D zone and, you know, would have had the third assist if that was a thing, but obviously it's not. So um, I think the goals will come, and I think more points – will come. I'm not super worried about it. Right now, he is second on the team in individual five-on-five scoring chances behind Pasternak. Some of those are going to start going in. We know he's a pretty good finisher. Um, My one concern is the last two games, he has one total shot on goal. He Last year, he averaged about three shots on goal per game. This year, he's at around two. So that's got to go up. And I do wonder if some of that is like, oh, you know, where he was taking a little more, a few more shots early in the year and they weren't going in. Is he, does it kind of creep in that I have to wait for the perfect shot now? Or like, because to me, that's sort of like the wrong direction to take it when the puck's not going in. You know, I think like you got to just keep shooting and shoot your way out of it. So, Again, small sample, it's only two games, but that I would like to see change. Like, I'd, I'd like to see him come out Monday night and have three, four, five shots. Brian, we, we were talking about it on the last podcast on Friday. I said Pavel Zaka had to shoot more. He comes out Saturday, six shots on goal and a goal. Like, I w- that's what I want to see from DeBrusque Monday night. Like, do, do that. Yeah, I don't see anything that, like, makes me concerned that this is going to last a long time. I think that he, and you know, I'm I'm trying, while you were talking, I was trying to come up like and think of specific times that he maybe passed up on a shot or like that was, you know, where, where you're sitting there, like, why don't you just shoot that? I can't like off the top of my head, think of anything specific. Sometimes the game just dictates a pass and not a shot. And sometimes you just, you have to be a team player and slide the puck where it needs to go. And that's the better option. So um, he, I have not been concerned with, at all. I like how that line looks actually. Um, I would say the only thing that we've criticized about that line was just maybe at some point, if you're, you know, if you're a contender, 
maybe you add an, another top six winger and, and slide them in on the other side of that line instead of Kiki. But that like, really, I, I think that line is pretty serviceable right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and to preface, like I mentioned, like, I don't think DeBrusque has played poorly. I do think it's a bit of, you know, him being snake bitten, like the Anaheim game, Scott mentioned, you know, the first couple of minutes of the game, he, he, he went down on a breakaway and, you know, put a dent in the post and then uh, factored in on a goal on a goal that he didn't get a point on. And then he did have a, an, an assist on Patra's game winning goal. So, you know, the Anaheim game was good. I just think that last year, obviously he was playing really well. He was scoring a lot of points and, and certainly would have been on pace to, to really have a breakout year offensively had he not missed whatever it was with that broken foot, maybe like a month or a month and a half or something like that. I don't really remember, but you know, he was playing alongside Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. So for him this year, I was really interested in seeing him potentially carry a line. Now he started with Marchand and they're kind of apart right now. And Matt Patra is playing really well, but again, Jake DeBrusque is, I want to say he's 26, maybe 27 years old at this point. Like I want to see him like Matt Patra is 19. Matt Patra shouldn't be the one carrying the line. And it's great that he is, but you watched, you watched them out there. You watch Matt Patra and Bridget, Bridget will get to this when we discuss your opening shift. Um, so I don't want to go too much into him right now, but he's just the best play. He's, he's the best foot on the ice. Most of the time he's out there. And it's like, that should be Jake DeBrusque this far into his career. So I just want to see him step up more is all. I think this, this is a good time to transition to that, honestly, because I think our DeBrusque. Well, can I, one more, sorry, just one more note on that. Part of that could be chemistry too, because we see like how much space Patra creates in the, in the offensive zone separation looks for passing lanes. I'm struggling to think of like how many times he's done that, you know, cut back, whatever. And the pass has gone to Jake DeBrusque. So that could be something where it's like they just haven't quite figured out like either either it's here's where DeBrusque wants to be and Patra should look for him there or here's where Patra wants to look for plays and DeBrusque to go there like that can still come for them and I think if if all of a sudden you're like if you start seeing Patra setting Jake DeBrusque up in in the slot for chances that's going to turn into goals so um you know, that was kind of just something I just thought of as we were talking through it. Also, with the way that that line uh, rotates, you've mentioned this before, Patra sometimes finds himself as the net front guy, whereas that has been something DeBrusque has done in the past. So you're seeing Patra take up a little bit more time in that area. I think they're more evenly kind of ending up down there rather than maybe DeBrusque being that guy on a line. So he's not right in front of the goal. Um more more um like a higher percentage than last year so maybe that factors in i also think the reason why you see the puck on patras stick more often and and why he is driving that line is just because that's the only way he knows how to play and if he's going to be effective then that's the role he has to have on that line he has to be the one that's kind of making things move and like making things flow um, and finding the open guys and, and probably having the puck on his stick a bit more uh, just because that's how he's effective. 